Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy, happy Wednesday. Uh, happy hump day to you and yours. We have a fantastic show planned for you today. We're going to delay Tennessee Harmony until Friday. You know, we didn't, our Monday actually was yesterday on Tuesday. So we're a little bit off uh, this week but we will have Tennessee Harmony. It just won't be today, it will be on Friday. So stay tuned for that. But today we have another fantastic show for you. Following up on our conversation from yesterday about Damar Hamlin, also including uh, Dana White and some of the feuds going on between Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless, we have a fantastic show uh, for you today. Royce White and Steve Kim will be here to help me unpack these topics. We'll start with a fire, and then we'll get into this show. This will be a tighter show. We only got a couple of topics I want to get into, and, and, and Steve Kim and Royce White are here to help me do that. Well, fantastic, action-packed, tighter show today. Yesterday, we went for nearly two hours. Today, I think we may go an hour. But you never know. I get to talking and who knows. Anyway, uh, let's get this fire started and then we'll bring Royce White in to help fan these flames. Monday night, as I watched ESPN's coverage of DeMar Hamlin's on-field collapse, I refused to entertain the possibility the tragedy could be related to the NFL's experimental medical trial, aka vaccine coercion. Other people were far less reluctant, opponents of the experiment, immediately connected Hamlin's cardiac arrest to his vaccination status, a status that I did not know Monday and still don't know today. Uh, Anti-vaxxers, which I am one, argued mostly with anecdotal evidence that there has been a rise in sudden death syndrome among young athletes since governments and corporations across the globe started force feeding Donald Trump's Operation Warp Speed medical trial. I remain undecided on whether speculating about Hamlin's vaccination status is appropriate at this time. The 24-year-old remains in a Cincinnati hospital fighting for his life. What I do know is that many people within the pro-vax group seem determined to pin Hamlin's death, or health death, I'm sorry, Hamlin's health crisis on the sport of football. Football is the proverbial bad guy. Speaking ill of the game is celebrated in modern America, where anything as uniquely American as tackle football is despised. What I also know is that for members of the corporate media, questioning the methods and products of the pharmaceutical industry is rife with as much danger as questioning the influence of secular Jewish people in Hollywood. 
it's a topic best avoided. Big Pharma is the most influential advertiser in all of television. Sports television now depends on pharmaceutical companies the way it once did on Miller Lite, Bud Light, and Old Milwaukee. The dope dealer replaced the bartender as the biggest bully on TV. Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, and others are the puppet masters of the pontificators on TV. The vaccine manufacturers demand that their puppets blame football for whatever happened to DeMar Hamlin on Monday. Yesterday, CNN.com contracted sports writer Jeff Perlman to spin a yarn about how Hamlin's collapse mirrors the 1971 death of Chuck Hughes, a Detroit Lions receiver, and it illustrates the inherent dangers in football. Writing, quote, Jeff Perlman says, is a game that results in so much pain and suffering a reasonable pursuit in an enlightened society? Should we talk more about the 2017 Boston University study that found chronic traumatic enthalopavir, CTE, you know what it is, I can't even pronounce that word, CTE in 99% of brains obtained from NFL players, as well as 91% of college football players. Can we question the wisdom of grown men slamming into grown men? Can we debate whether youth tackle leagues are life-affirming or insane? Football is now allegedly being held to the same, it needs to be life-affirming? Where do they come up with this stuff? Anyway, Chuck Hughes died because of undiagnosed blood clots. He collapsed walking back to the huddle. Had he been walking to the team bus, would CNN blame football? Hughes' death speaks to the dangers of blood clots, the side effect researchers say the experimental medical trials cause. And what does CTE have to do with Hamlin? Why bring up CTE? CTE is the convenient mystery disease that can only be diagnosed in a corpse. You gotta be dead to be diagnosed with CTE. In my opinion, CTE is a distraction, another tool to demonize football and deflect from the drugs athletes ingest to compete. On CNN's morning show, ESPN's Bomani Jones talked with Don Lemon. Oh, what a cute couple that is, Bomani and Don Lemon together. They got together and talked about Hamlin. And of course, Jones blamed football too. Take a listen. I saw you shaking your head when the poppy's question, can you make it safer or safe? And you said, oh no, I mean, it's like trying to make a safe cigarette. That's just not really how this works, how this game works. And part of why people watch is the fact that it's not safe. Like that's an element to the drama of this is that the idea of the sacrifice and everything that has to put in, that's part of what draws people into this. And so we feel guilty when we see things like this. So we always try to come around and find a way to be like, man, you think they could find a way to make this safe? No, they can't. That's just not what this game is or what it's ever going to be. What's your reaction when you saw what happened last night? Well. What happened for me was interesting because I kind of missed it. And then once I saw that they were talking in somber tones and doing the solemn replay, I was like, ooh, I don't need to watch this. But my thought was that it was like a spinal injury. That's something that you see often happen in football. After they came back from a couple of commercial breaks and then said that they were administering CPR, I called one of my colleagues and said, did we watch somebody die? Because that was like, it was so clear. 
from the way they were treating it that it was that grave and that dire. And then I was like, but they're, they're going to play football. But we didn't know. For money, we did not know. Because I kept saying, is he, what, is he still alive? Like, no. what is happening? Like, we did not know. No, I just watched enough of these to recognize that something was very different. And the fact that Joe Buck couldn't even figure out what to say. And then it's 10 minutes later, and they're talking about CPR. And that was, for me, the moment that it became really terrifying yeah. about what exactly was going on. This the chemistry, the on-air chemistry between Don Lemon and Bomani Jones, it, it just leaps off the screen. I mean, they need to do a show, Morning Don with Minka, Morning Don with Bomani. That, I mean, that, that would, I mean, the chemistry between those two guys is just, just incredible. Uh, my reluctance to ponder the possibility that the vaccines the NFL promoted contributed to Hamlin's cardiac arrest it's starting to dissipate. If it's fair to blame football, if you can go on CNN and blame football for something that it's almost impossible to blame this on football, but you know, they're doing it, why not ponder the impact of the so-called clot shot? I'm willing to pay the penalty for discussing the vaccine. We've seen from Elon Musk's Twitter files that social media platforms banned and shadow banned people who questioned the efficacy of the shots. YouTube discourages its users from negatively discussing the shot. Big Pharma greatly influences what we can and cannot discuss on all platforms. Their commercials finance the NFL and all the sports leagues. Roger Goodell would rather have football blame for Hamlin's collapse than have football viewers second guess their fifth booster. So yeah, I'm gonna go there today. I, I, I just, I don't know if this is vaccine related, but I do think enough time has passed that it's fair to have that discussion. A lot of people are. Many of you, probably like me, watch Tucker Carlson's opening monologue most nights. Tucker, this wasn't his opening monologue, but T Tucker touched on this topic early in his show yesterday and had Dr. Peter McCullough, I think, on. He had Michelle Tafoya on. People are talking about, speculating about, pondering whether this kid, this young man was vaccinated and did it contribute to his cardiac arrest? We, we've seen, and it, it's mostly anecdotal, and I know there's some stats out there, but I haven't seen anything overwhelmingly, overwhelming from the data point of view and substantial research that makes me be fully believe that all these athletes that seem to be uh, dropping dead unexpectedly is related to the COVID shot but people are certainly having that discussion. We're gonna have that discussion here today. Is it fair? Uh, we'll do that first with the Royce White. We'll also talk uh, about Dana White with Royce as well. You guys know if you follow this show, uh, Royce is a mixed martial art artist. He hopes to one day be a superstar in the UFC. So we'll get his thoughts on Dana White and what you, you guys know what happened with Dana is he and his wife are in Cabo San Lucas and they're at a bar, New Year's Eve, drinking too much. His wife slaps him. Dana slaps back. Dana's had to apologize. We'll talk about all that and more uh, with Royce White on the other side of this. But first, I want to tell you guys how you can reach me and us via email, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. I love reading your emails. I love hearing about you eating good ranches. I love hearing about you uh, donating to Preborn. I love hearing you talk about 
You're boosting your testosterone with eugenics. Keep it all rolling, keep it all flowing. Reach out to me, talk to me. I read it all, I try to respond to most of it. Uh, voice bites. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, welcome back. Time for some Royce White in the new year. The deepest man, Morpheus, the all-knowing Royce White, joining us here on Fearless. Royce, uh, the whole country's been talking about uh, DeMar Hamlin and, and the tragedy that happened to him on Monday afternoon. Being an athlete, I'm sure uh, it touched you in a way. But the, the question we're pondering Today is, is it fair or are people doing too much by speculating that a 24-year-old kid seemingly in perfect health takes a routine run-of-the-mill hit in a football game, gets up, and then collapses? Is, is it fair to wonder about his vaccine status and whether the vax played any role in this? I think I think it's always fair to be skeptical of um, the medical industrial complex under any and all circumstances right now, given what we've seen. I think in this particular situation, um, people should people should be, you know, calling into question the status of, of whether or not he was vaccinated. Um, and in my opinion, you know, there there seems to be a preponderance of young, fit, healthy athletes uh, having issues like this, and not only athletes, but just young people in general who are healthy. I think there's something like a, a 200. It might have been 2,000, but but I'm I'm safe with saying it's a 200 percent increase this year from uh, heart related or cardiac related uh, incidents without without previous uh, health conditions to to you know determine it or to to impact it. So uh, there's definitely something going on in young people. I would assume that that has something to do with the vaccine. Um, but, but, you know, maybe there's something else going on as well. I mean, there's a, there's a litany of things that could be going on out there. Uh, so. I, I wonder if there will be any way to get to the truth because the NFL, if, if in any way this is connected to the vaccine, the NFL put so much pressure. It didn't mandate it, but it put a lot of pressure on its athletes uh, to take the vaccine, it seems like the, you know, these phar pharmaceutical companies have immunity, but the NFL might not. And, and so, you know, it'll be interesting, whatever the official story is, can we trust it? Well, no, you can't. You can't trust the official story. <laughs> you can't trust the NFL. You can't trust any of these sports institutions. They're carrying water for the medical industrial complex to boot. Uh, there, there, many of them are in Pfizer's pocket, and 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 you know all of the overlords of of big pharma, as well. 
Um, and and I think I think it's unfair. Here's what I'll say about the vaccine hesitant or the vaccine reluctant or the vaccine deniers. Uh, anybody who was against the way the medical industrial complex waged a sort of uh, medical warfare on on the American people or people all around the world, um, the reaction is 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 a little un, is a little unnecessary. I won't say it's unwarranted, but it's a little unnecessary. Like for me, the, like let's take this for example. People will go, well, if the vaccine was dangerous, if ninety five or ninety to one hundred percent of the NFL players are vaccinated, then why aren't more people dropping dead? That's not the right question to ask. That's the wrong question to ask. The question is, the people who do fall out and collapse, like this player, um, did it have something to do with the vaccine? And and were the people who took the vaccine, whether they are adversely affected here in the now or in the future or not, uh, did they have informed consent? So I think that the narrative is getting warped. And many of us out there in the world on the Internet who had a problem with the way this whole thing was handled with the vaccine automatically gravitate towards all the vaccine is killing people. Well, maybe the vaccine isn't killing massive amounts of people. That has nothing to do with the ethics of the medical industrial complex properly informing people who who consent to, to take the vaccine. So they're two separate issues. And I think we should we should set our chips on how procedures should work. Should we have been coerced by the NFL? Should the NFL be in such direct lead with a medical industrial complex that doesn't have the proper checks and balances? Should we have to be properly informed of the things we put in our body? Should we be mandated to put things in our body? This is where we should lay our chips to say, oh, well, you know, everybody who dies from a heart attack from now until 2030, it's because of the vaccine. Unnecessary. And it could be true, but I think it's unnecessary. Let's focus on procedure and policy uh, and, the, and the corruption of the establishment. I think the other thing we have to be careful of for the people that publicly stated their reluctance to take the vaccine, I don't think we should behave in the same way as the people that pushed the vaccine. Because now that the information seems to be on our side, I'm seeing a lot of people want to rub it in the other side's face. And to me, that is making the other side more reluctant to acknowledge their error and be willing to support those of us who are like, hey, man, this stuff needs to be strongly questioned. Everybody responsible needs to be held accountable. It's like everybody's chosen sides. And once and, and those of us that didn't take the vax want our I told you so moment and those people that took the vax, won't take boosters, are completely reluctant to admit like, hey, I made a mistake and I want to make I want to make sure there's systems and protocols in place that this never happens again. I agree with you 100 percent. I would say we should always be trying to strive to show prudence in in our action and things we say. And when people look and I understand when people fall short, especially in this case, because, you know, the establishment reached way, way over and out of bounds on on this whole covid vaccine deal. And so I understand people's impetus to go, you know, I told you so. And and really, uh, the people who didn't take the vaccine aren't just saying I told you so about the vaccine. They're saying I told you so about 20 years worth of misinformation, 60 years worth of misinformation, 100 years worth of misinformation from from a, a coalesced corrupt establishment. 
And and I think that's the real that's the real impetus around the 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 you know the the retaliation you could say from the people who didn't take the vax. They're the true they're the truthers that have been in the weeds uh, taking the brunt of punishment from the establishment and the corruption of a public consensus uh, for for a generation or for many generations. Uh, so you know it, it you know these are the nine eleven deniers. You know these are the uh, you know it, it, these are the JFK conspiracy theorists. They're all the same group of people. So they've been taking wax over the head for a long time. And, and so I understand their frustration. But this is where Christian ministry is going to is going to pay dividends. Um, and, and I have to work on it myself. I oftentimes find myself on Twitter or online just taking a, a spike and a, and, a, and, a, and a hammer to people and saying, hey, if you took the vaccine, you're in on it. Right. You're, you're either in on it or you're a coward. And, and so, you know, there, there's some. There's some merit to that. There's some need for that. We correct ourselves in society uh, by by this oratory, you know, composition. So people should push back. Um, but but that's not the biggest fight. The biggest fight is what we do individually. Well, and I, I want to be careful here, but but I, I can see it, sense it, feel it within my own family. I, I, you know, because I was the nut job in my family. It was like, no, nah, I'm good. I ain't taking the vax. And, and, and people were thought I was crazy. And, and now I, when you talk to them, no, nah, I'm not taking no more boosters. But they won't. They, they'll say they're not taking any boosters, but they won't say, hey, you know what? Maybe you were right and I need to be more skeptical of what the government and corporate media tell me. And, and it's all tied in together because you're right. It's not just the vax. There are many people, I think an overwhelming majority of people that know like, man, we overreacted to the quirks in Donald Trump's personality. And we installed this corpse and robot and and we can now see the ramifications of that and, and we can see the wickedness of the left, but, but it's almost like they don't want to admit that either. You got, again, drag queens sexualizing kids and they still don't want to acknowledge like, hey man, has the left gone too far? And, and so I'm trying to, in my own behavior, trying to figure out how I can behave in a way that l- allows people to know like, hey man, it's fine if you say I was wrong. I'm not gonna rub it in your face. I'm gonna welcome you to enlightenment. And and that's not a full-throated endorsement of Donald Trump because you know some of the things Donald Trump is doing recently really irritate me, particularly with the abortion deal, the blaming the, the pro-life movement and blah. But, but, but I just want people's eyes to open up, quit, trusting corporate media the the yeah. people you turn on that tv and those people are not there to help you man that they are there to lead you astray well absolutely and you know at, at your age and with your wisdom and, and as long as you've been around especially when it comes to media specifically you've seen enough to be able to to, to be in that you know to be in that spot and be considering how you go about it uh, at, at 31 years old as more of a militant, I'm just just hammering people a lot of times. And, and we should all try to find, find that balance. Um, you know, I think a lot of what we see is that liberalism has been so deeply indoctrinated into generations and generations of people 
that it's hard for them to, I, I don't, I, I oftentimes have anxiety at night thinking what would need to happen for people to actually stop believing what they're being told and what they're being sold or what they're being given. Like what set of circumstances would need to be for people to say, all right, you know what? That's enough. This is, this is just out, outrageous. Um, and as we go along, it, it, it serves as a very dark and daunting evidence that, that there is an incrementalization of, of misinformation and, and what, what Robert Malone called mass formation psychosis, where at each, at each pillar, when we accept something that, that was ridiculous, it becomes even harder for us to turn back in the, in, the, in the bigger scheme of things. So you would think, okay, the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, the 2009 financial crisis, uh, you know, COVID, uh, the, the 2016 propaganda, Russia, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the entire big tech phenomenon and the dopamine project. Okay, which one of these things is going to make? None of them. None of them. We rode through every stoplight without a without a without a bat of the eye, for the most part. Writ large, you know, writ large. There's the me and the you and Alex and Steve and the people in our audience. But writ large, people are invested in this status quo, and and that's that's scary. That's that keeps me up at night. It it, it really does, Royce, because I'll go back to JFK was assassinated. It was captured on film. It's been played everywhere. And people are running, yeah, Lee Harvey Oswald did it, or, 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 or even worse than that, even worse than that. I really don't, I don't want to know who did it. I don't care who did it. It's irrelevant who did it. it, it it's, it's irrelevant if there were the CIA and the FBI were potentially involved. It's that it, it's outside my control, so I'm not going to care, and I'm just going to put my head down and trust whatever the establishment tells me. It, it, it go, to me, it goes back to 1963 that yep. we bought the JFK story and just kept it moving like nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing weird here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, completely self-interested too, right? The boomers, the boomers had this concept, had this money grab concept, right? Where as long as the prosperity of America was on the rise, uh, the corruption that led to it was was inconsequential. And we now know that that was one of the gravest errors in, in American history. And in many respects, the boomer generation is responsible for the way our, our country is today. I mean, in almost all respects, uh, not to say that there wasn't corruption before or after or that my generation isn't corrupt. We are the we are the uh, ungodly, unholy offspring of the boomers moral hazard. Um, but but yes, I would agree that that our society is frozen in front of our TVs and, and at the JFK assassination. And that was that was a linchpin of the prevailing psychology of the American people that, you know, we know that there's dark corruption happening, but it's in everybody's best interest to look away. Right. We got bigger and better things to do. We got bigger and better goals to achieve. We got more to get. There's more for us out there. There's more to look away uh, for us. And, and that's radical materialism to the max. And, um, you know, I, I think it is I think it's essential to know who killed JFK. But I think many of us already know. Right. I mean, the CIA killed JFK. Let's just let, let's let's just say it. Let's say the CIA didn't kill JFK in the same way I caution about the vaccines. It's more prudent for a citizen. To value their citizenship by drawing the most the most. Um, stark criticism and skepticism of their government 
That's what the individual, that's what being an American was supposed to be about. That's what being a nation of shopkeepers was supposed to be about. That we get to question our government. We get to scrutinize our government to the highest degree. That's actually your civic duty. And, and we've abnegated that. So what we, what, we, what we don't know is how deeply involved the CIA was in JFK's assassination. What we do know is that the CIA had the capacity to carry out an assassination like that. And they still have the capacity to, to do that and much, much more. And now it's not only the CIA. There's a 19 uh, institution intelligence community that has expansive capabilities as well. And it extends to the five eyes. And now we signed an agreement. Most people wouldn't know this, but but this is how moral hazard works. When you let the intelligence community kill a president on national television, uh, then 25, 30 years down the road, they go, you know what? All of this constitutional protection of our citizens is is, you know, it's it's uh, inconvenient for us. So now what we're going to do is we're going to sign an intelligence collaborative with four other nations from the, the Commonwealth, the crown, New Zealand, Canada, Australia and, and Great Britain. And we're going to say instead of us spying on our own citizens, we'll allow Great Britain to spy on our citizens for us. That's the workaround to our constitutional law. That's undermining our rule of law. And who did that? It was the neocons. Many Republicans who talk about rule of law. They talk about rule of law for common citizens. They're not talking about rule of law for the administrative state, for the deep state. Uh, you know, so these are the types of moral hazards that we don't need 100 percent of America to wake up to in, in this new year. And I was thinking about this. We don't we don't need people to wake up to it all at once. All we need is that the group of us who understand to have the willingness to, to fight and sacrifice and die on behalf of the truth. And that can move mountains. That's that's the the faith of a grain of a, a mustard seed could move a mountain. Right. Uh, and, and, and we haven't exhibited that on our side of the movement. I'm not waiting for for, you know, 50 million sheep to just suddenly wake up one day and have a. a you know, a, a salvific moment and go, ah, oh, you know, all of this selfishness I've been, you know, doing my whole life is is wrong. I need to I need to find God in Christ and get into the fight. I'm not expecting that. But what I'm expecting is that um, the Alex Joneses, the Steve Bannons, the Kanye West, the, the Kyrie Irvings, the Jason Whitlocks, myself, the Donald Trumps find an even higher ethic of morality to go into this next round of the fight with. Hmm. I want to switch up, Royce. Dana White is in some hot water. Uh, the DeMar Hamlin situation has probably lowered the temperature for him, and it's kind of floating under the uh, radar. But he's out in Cabo San Lucas with his wife celebrating New Year's Eve. They get in an argument. She strikes him first. He hits her back. He's issued an apology. His wife has issued somewhat of an apology, more of a group apology. What, what should we think here about Dana White? He's been pretty outspoken on domestic issues and saying that, you know, there is no justification for hitting a woman. I, I, because our show is called Fearless, I, I'm gonna throw it out there and just say, if a woman strikes a man first, are we a thousand percent sure that the man can't defend himself? I'm not trying to rationalize and excuse what Dana White. I would never put myself in, in that position when I saw 
them, I'm like, these guys are in their 50s. What are they doing at a nightclub? What are they doing out drinking? What, what are they? But, but we've moved so far with this feminist movement and men and women are equal that I'm not remotely defending Dana White, but I, I just don't, this isn't the same to me as the Ray Rice situation or other situations. Uh, that we've seen that that I think are, are, are far are far worse. Uh, I, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure what I fully think. I think Dana White's wrong, but I also think his wife is wrong. And and I think that when you're in a marriage, uh, you have to be looking out for each other. Right. And by striking him, she's not. And they're drinking. She's not looking out for him. She, she's striking a man that's had too much to drink. And I'm not justifying what he did, but damn it, you just, I, just keeping it real. Uh, anyway, th th there's a lot to unpack here. I hope I haven't thrown too big of a grenade in your lap. Maybe I've just dropped it on myself, but I, I'm just keeping it real that, that, that I, I don't, I don't want to be with a woman that strikes me. I, and particularly, not when we're out drinking or, and you know, at 53, I just wouldn't be at a nightclub anyway with my wife or anybody. But anyway, your thoughts. Um, well, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Like this is the oldest, this is the oldest battleground in human history, right? Um, outside of the spiritual and the physical realm, it's, it's men and women, right? And, and the, the differences between us and, and the, uh, the battle between, you know, feminine and masculine energy. Uh, and, and so, you know, this is like an age old issue. And, and whenever we beat the globalists, me, me and my friends, we always joke, whenever we beat the globalists, whenever we beat the communists, uh, the, the, the neocons or, or whoever else you could line up, the battle is still going to be between men and women. Uh, and that, that battle will always exist. There is no win in that battle. The only win is when people, uh, give over to God and, and Christ and more traditional ideas. And, and then they submit themselves, right? That's St. Thomas Aquinas. When, when man submits his reasons to his passions and uh, his passions to his reason and his reason to God, he can have peace and then he can have order. Um, so yeah, D Dana White was out of order right there for sure. You know, there's no doubt that, that, that. I'm sure he, uh, you know, that's why he apologized because he 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 understands that he could have behaved differently. Um, Dana White lives in a world, Vegas. You know, it's it's he's the big boss, man. You know, he's the big Kahuna out there in 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 the in the city of lights, and that uh, that lifestyle comes with parties and events and appearances, and probably he drinks some. Uh, you know, he's he's an old Boston Irish guy, so I'm sure he can he can drink many people under the table. I don't even know if he drinks. I'm just throwing that out there, but. Um, here's what I'll say to start. It becomes very hard for us as onlookers to properly diagnose the situation and how to view Dana with how we've tried to obscure the role of gender and men and women in our society, like you said. And I'm glad that you started there because I totally agree. Um, if men are going to be equal to women in every way, then it changes the entire predicate for why we as civilized people uh, have a have a have an intuition when we see a man strike a woman and most of us do have a natural intuition when we see a man strike a woman and go up that's not right but why because men and women aren't equal okay and when you start to blur that line I'm not saying that the blurring of that line caused this situation or had any direct impact on Dana White's decision or his wife's decision 
But you can see where it does. Because what I tell my daughters, you don't ever put your hands on a, on a, on a man unless you're ready to fight, unless you're ready to kill that man. Right. And there may be a time where that there may be a day where that where that where that situation is before them, um, where, you know, th- there are men out there who attack women who who try and, you know, brutally club a woman over the head, drag her into a car and, and drive her to some some house and rape her or torture her for three weeks or whatever. You know, those people are out there. That's not the situation. His wife decided to smack him because of a domestic issue that they were having within their relationship, obviously. And he had not threatened her yet. He had not put his hands on her yet from what we can see in the video. Uh, and, and she decided to take physical action. Now, when you do that, there's still the potential for a man to say, you know what? That didn't hurt. Right. Uh, you know, that that doesn't phase me. But when a man's been drinking, different consideration. When when a man is in the position that Dana White is in. Right. And the the thing, you know, who knows what he's dealing with? Who knows the stresses he's under? Only she would know that. Only a good wife would know where her man is on a daily basis. Um, And, you know, if the roles were reversed, if Dana White walked up and slapped his wife first, this wouldn't even be an argument. And that shows the contradiction right there. Right. We've sort of accepted through Hollywood, through through popular culture, that when a woman gets mad enough, she can slap a man. And, and the whole the whole payoff for it is that the man's expected not to retaliate. And if the man does retaliate, the woman has free range then to call the police and use the highest extent of a corrupt female pro law to come down and destroy that man. And I think that that's corrupt. To the highest, uh, you know, to the highest degree. And that still doesn't excuse Dana White's behavior. But we have to discuss both things, I think. And, and, and even more so, I think what's more important is the society we've built. That, that's the predicate for this circumstance than Dana White's actions. I will say that, that, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't assault her in a, in a brutal way. I mean, Dana's a big dude. I mean, he's not a little dude, right? I mean, if Dana wanted to take ball his fist up, he could have broke his wife's jaw, broke her eye socket, and I've seen that happen. And that's that's a whole different level of violence, right? When you go there, you've gapped out. You've lost it. And that says something deep about your own personal temperance. Um, but the fact that women just have this idea that they can walk up and slap men is a symptom of, of our society writ large, I think. You've unpacked a lot and said a lot because – you're right. This mindset of men and women are equal. And and you, and again, I don't think Dana White has bought into that mindset, but the culture has and it impacts everybody's mindset. And so it, and, and I don't want to go back to the caveman days. I don't want to go back to, you know, women in the kitchen or whatever. But, but I do want to go back to a mindset of like, Hey, look, men and women are not equal, especially physically. So there is a way as a woman that I'm going to approach a man who has physical dominance over me. I'm not going to in any way approach him in a violent way. And, and, and you know, I've seen people uh, over social media, these, oh my God, if you use the word provoke, that, that's a bridge too far and we must cancel you and all this other stuff. But there's nothing wrong, in my opinion, with telling a woman, don't do anything to provoke violence in a man. And 
most especially when they're drinking. And then I think Dana's mindset, not trying to excuse what he did, he's wrong, I'm not trying to excuse it. But when you, and I'm not comfortable with women in mixed martial arts or boxing. I don't, that's why I was never a big Ronda Rousey person. Uh, I, I, I just, I don't wanna see women do violence towards each other. It, it quite honestly, it grosses me out. I, I just don't find it enjoyable. But if Dana is immersed in a culture where they have female fighters and women who will go toe to toe with men, it can warp his thinking and his perception of women. If he's working with a bunch of women who are in gyms or go out at night and they don't have, they will whoop a dude's rear end. It can yeah. affect your mentality. And again, that's why I divorced myself from all of it. Uh, you know, I, I can, I feel comfortable having this conversation because I've never hit a woman uh, and, and certainly wouldn't put myself in a position where I'm out, you know, I, I pretty much don't drink unless I'm at home and don't drink enough really to get drunk ever. Uh, but, but I just wouldn't put myself in this position. It's, it's a complicated story that I think we just want to dumb down to. Men should never hit women. And there is truth in that. That statement is true. But let me yeah. tell you another statement that's true. Women should never hit men. That statement is just as equally true as the men should not hit women. A absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah, men, men should never hit women is, 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 uh, is an idea that is predicated on a Judeo-Christian worldview. So again, like I like I like I indicated with the with the anti-Jews when I when I talk about that is your for example your entire identity is predicated on this 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 text. The way that men revere women, the way that men have come to treat women and put women on a pedestal in our society is largely due to our Judeo-Christian heritage. So when you go to throw the Bible out and all the customs and all the traditions that make America or modern society what it is uh these are the things that 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 you throw out and they don't want to throw them out and you don't necessarily have to throw them out but it creates a huge logical contradiction uh and it, it makes it hard to sort these things out and what i think people don't understand is in order to apply justice like in order to have justice people have to be able to understand the 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 parameters and constraints of the ideas that they're working with and why they are what makes something just what makes something true and that's what they really try to undo in our society. And that's when it's, oh, well, you know, a man should never hit a woman, even if a woman hits him, even if a woman, what, pulls a gun out on him? I mean, what what heights could a woman go to before it's justified that a man takes, you know, full, full force and, and retaliates uh, physically? That's a line that's not drawn in our popular culture. It's just like assumed. Like, oh, well, if a woman goes far enough, then it's justified. It's like... No. Where's that? Where's that common? Where's that idea being pushed or being being drawn in a clear way? Um, the vagueness, the, the, the indirectness, the, the, the lack of, of uh, clarity around these issues is the seeds of chaos. Right. So, the, yeah, women to think, you know, I've seen I, I grew up in that. Especially, you know, in the, let's talk about the black community, not to go ripped on, but let's go black women specifically. Black women are are the queens of this. Black women have been indoctrinated almost culturally with the idea that at some point, if if you cross them three snaps in a Z, then at some point they'll just, you know, they'll just smack the shit out of you or 
or, or you know, whatever. Some women will just start punching you. Uh, and, and, and in our community, men are expected to not retaliate, to sit there and take it. And, you know, most of that is, you know, some of that's our fault. We should just move away from a woman. You know, you you know when your woman's like that, right? <laughs> some men like that. Some men like that sort of a volatile dynamic with their woman. It, it, it adds a little spice and, and adventure to it. Uh, but but that's where the culpability is mostly for men is that you you know when your woman is like that and you should you should move on. Don't be a cuck, right? Avoid it. And it, again, it's that whole... I want a strong woman, blah, blah. I want somebody that'll stand up to me, blah, blah. I want some peace and quiet. I'm, I'm fighting the world. I don't want to be fighting at home. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. We're going to end it on this note, Royce. I'm going to quote from the Bible, and thank you. Great job. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you uh, later in the week. But uh, I want to end on this note, just to clarify, here's my position on this, and, you know, it's very easy. It's all been written out for me. I'm going to go first Peter <laughs> chapter three, verse seven. Husbands in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Dana White needs to understand that. Um, we all do, but I'm sure if I go deep enough, there'll be something in the Bible instructing women on how to treat their husbands. And, and I, I just don't see liquored up at a club, striking my husband, that ain't looking out for him. Doesn't justify Dana White, but that ain't looking out for him. All right, stay tuned, don't go anywhere. YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit notifications, subscribe. Korean Cosell, Steve Kim. X. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Time for some Korean Cosell, Steve Kim. And Steve, I, I want to start with where I started the show with, talking about Big Pharma, the vaccine, and whether or not it's fair to discuss the potential role of the vaccine coercion that the NFL, basically a mandate in the NFL and the NBA, not quite, but basically a mandate. Is it fair to discuss that as it relates to DeMar Hamlin? Yes, of course it is. Uh, I think as we watch this unfold on Monday night, I think a good deal of the American public had that at least in the back of their minds, if not flat out stated. But with that said, we need to get all the information. I know some of the viewing audience of this fine program got on us for not bringing it up yesterday and blaming the backs. Well, here's the issue. We don't know. And with the HIPAA regulations, we may never know. But uh, to really make that determination as it's specific to Mr. Hamlin's situation, 
we would have to know was he actually vaxxed, when he was vaxxed, what's his medical condition, and what was he predisposed to from a health standpoint. Now, do I have my concerns about young athletes all across the world suddenly collapsing, if not dying? Yes. You, you see the posts, you see the evidence, and you see these visuals of otherwise healthy young men and women supposedly in the physical prime of their lives suddenly dropping. Why? And it, we're not, I'm not making any accusations, but I would like some information. And we may never get it, though. I, I am so suspicious of the process of how the mainstream media has covered this issue and also any organization that has pushed this upon their employees. I mean, this year, it's interesting. I'm watching various games, and the games go to a commercial, and there'd be ads for Pfizer. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't know if that's really a conflict of interest, but I know it conflicts a lot of people in the, what they can say and how they cover this issue. Steve, I, I want to move to a little bit a humorous ramification of this DeMar Hamlin situation and, and the fallout on Skip and Shannon on Fox Sports continues mm-hmm. even today. I don't, I, I don't know if you've seen the open to their show. <laughs> Shannon skipped yesterday's show over Skip's tweet. Skip's tweet, I'm on the record, is completely harmless. Uh, it's been overblown. People are using it, trying to cancel this guy. Shannon Sharp is a part of that movement and is trying to cancel Skip Bayless. But I want to play this clip from the opener of their show, and then you tell me who the bad guy is here. Uh, I have my opinions. We'll hear yours. Let's play the clip. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation of why I wasn't on air yesterday, and I won't get into speculation or conjecture or innuendo, but I will say this. In watching that game on Monday night, uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin struck me a little different. Um, as a brotherhood in the NFL, when injuries happen, when we know injuries are a part of the game, I've seen guys suffer ACLs and Achilles tear, but I've never seen anybody have to be revived and fight for their life on the field. So it struck me a little differently because I remember seeing my brother paralyzed on the field temporarily, and he was able to regain focus. Um, Skip tweeted something, and although I disagree with the tweet, uh, and, and uh, hopefully uh, Skip would take it down, but I didn't want it. Well, yep. time out, time out. I'm not going to take it down because okay. I stand by okay. what I tweeted. Skip, let me okay. finish. Let me. All right, okay. Go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead, let's go, Jen. Okay. I mean, I cannot mm-hmm. even get through a monologue without you interrupting okay. me. Well, you could have came back. Skip, well, I thought, Skip, just let me. I, I didn't know I, you I were going to bring no, up No, this. I was just going to say, Skip, I didn't want to yesterday to get into a situation where DeMar Hamlin was the issue. We should have been talking about him and not get into, okay. your, not get into your, uh, your tweet. That's what I was going to do. But you can't even let me finish my opening monologue without you interrupting. Okay. I was under the impression you weren't going to bring this up because nobody here had a problem with no, that tweet. No. Clearly, the bosses wanted you to offer explanation. So clearly, somebody. No, they had a did not have. The, nobody. Let's go, Jen. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers remain with Demar Hamlin. That's where the focus should have been, and continues. not on a football game. Yes, let's go, Jen. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, <sighs> who who looks worse in this <sighs> exchange? All I can say is ebony and ivory, not living together in peace and harmony. Uh, Boy, this is a tough one. 
You ever been to that dinner party where you see that couple you know has been having some issues? It's always a little bit tense with them, but you're thinking, okay, they're holding hands in the beginning. They're getting their glass of wine. They're going through the food. They look okay. They look okay. And then all of a sudden, about an hour and a half later, a couple of glasses of uh, you know Chardonnay, then the argument breaks out right in front of everybody. And you know, like, uh-oh, Buddy Boy's living on the couch. He's sleeping there. In fact, he might as well check out and go to the hotel for a while and call Gloria Allred. This thing is headed towards a divorce. In this particular situation, in the context of what happened on that show, if you are Skip, let the man finish his sentence. In fact, a lot of arguments in couples, I think, develop because people interrupt each other. And you could just tell how peeved and annoyed old Shannon was. Unk, Unk was not having it. And you could just, I'm like, Skip, the guy took a day off from work. Me and you disagree why, Jason. Let him have his say. Then you have a whole hour to interrupt him later and have a discourse about it. But I will say this about Shannon. I, I get the sense that as they went to a commercial, that if Skip tried to come up to me, don't touch me. Don't touch me. That's, that's the way I felt. And I'm like, good grief. I felt sorry for that that lady. Because we've all been there in high school with that one volatile couple that broke up every uh, month. But they always were at the prom and the Sadie Hawkins together. When they get into an argument and you're there, it's the most uncomfortable thing. You just feel like Homer Simpson going back into the let bushes. Me tell you, let me give you a little information. She's not there. No, <laughs> She's no, doing the show air, from home. She's no, doing the show still. from home. She's no, not in the still. studio with him. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If you're on that train wreck and you're on that Amtrak, you're thinking, oh, my God. Honestly, I, I, I would have. I, I want to stop you, Steve. I want to stop you, and I want to replay the clip or yeah. just the first, the first 60 seconds of the clip. Yeah. Replay the clip, Justin, just because I, I, just, I don't think Skip's interruption – is nearly as bad as Shannon is making it out to be. Skip, Skip added his little comment and then said, go ahead. And, and, and instead of just continuing on, Shannon said, oh, he, he, let me nail myself to the cross and make myself the victim. You won't even let me fit. He just said, go ahead. But let's replay the clip. Let's replay the clip. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation of why I wasn't on air yesterday, and I won't get into speculation or conjecture or innuendo, but I will say this. In watching that game on Monday night, uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin struck me a little different. Um, as a brotherhood in the NFL, when injuries happen, when we know injuries are a part of the game, I've seen guys suffer ACLs and Achilles tear, but I've never seen anybody have to be revived and fight for their life on the field. So it struck me a little differently because I remember seeing my brother paralyzed on the field temporarily, and he was able to regain focus. Um, Skip tweeted something, and although I disagree with the tweet, uh, and, and uh, hopefully uh, Skip would take it down, but I didn't want it. Well, yes. time out, time out. I'm not going to take it down because okay. I stand by okay. what I tweeted. Skip, let me okay. finish. Let me. All right, okay. Go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead, let's go, Jen. Okay. I mean, I cannot even get through a monologue without you interrupting okay. me. Well, you could have came back, Skip. Well, I thought, Skip, just let me. I, I didn't I, know I, you I were going to bring no, up No, this. I was just going to say, Skip, I didn't want to yesterday. We can stop to now. To we can stop now. Look, okay. All right. the man... The man said, I thought you were going to take the tweet down. And hold on, man. Time out. I'm not taking the tweet down. I stand by it. Don't interrupt me. Okay, go ahead, Shannon. Go ahead. 
Shannon starts to re-engage, and then he says, no, let me nail myself to the cross. I'm a I can't even get through my monologue, Skip. Skip, I can't even get. He was going to let him get through it, man. He was just saying, I ain't taking that. I, you ain't telling me what tweet to take down. Or what. The tweet had no impact on Shannon Sharp or any of these people pretending like they were offended. First of all, Jason, I can't wait till me and you're at that point. It's going to be glorious to watch that. I mean, the fireworks are going to fly like it's the 4th of July. But you know what this is like? This is like that relationship that ends when the guy does not put down the toilet seat for the last time. And when that lady sits down and that porcelain hits her thigh, she just, that's it. Dog on it. I'm thinking you're not taking out the trash, not putting the water on the dishes as you wait for me to do the dishes, and it's just caked on there, all that meatloaf. And for the last time, you didn't put up the doggone down the doggone toilet seat. You're out of here, buddy. That's what it seemed like. Now, personally, you're right. Do I believe that Skip may have committed a false start by interrupting? Yeah. But then Skip said, okay, keep going. And then you're right. Shannon kind of overreacted, and he went with the illegal procedure. And he did kind of seem a little bit pouty. But come on. Hey, look, we already know. We already know that there's a lot of tension and there's probably a lot of pressure from the inner circle and maybe the management, the representation and the fan base of Shannon Sharp to break out on your own. And right now, to a good segment of the athletic world and sports media, Skip Bayless is toxic. And maybe this is way uh, this is the way for Shannon Sharp to eject himself from that situation as a hero. He's trying. That's true. He is trying to elevate himself, and he's using uh, Hamlin to elevate himself. It, it, it's 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 what these black elites do. They piggyback off a Hamlin, a George Floyd or whatever. Let me tie myself. Oh, I'm so emotionally distraught over Breonna Taylor. Give me a raise. Give me a promotion. Give me a better contract than Rachel Nichols. That's the game that's being played here. I don't respect it. This guy is beating Skip Bayless over the head, trying to paint Skip Bayless as a racist. Skip Bayless has bent over and taken, I gotta be careful, I remind myself I'm a Christian, but he's bent <laughs> over <laughs> and he's taken the black scene. He has taken the, he, he's paid money for Lil Wayne to pretend like he's his friend. Skip Bait, Skip Bait gave Shannon a job. And now because Shannon's dissatisfied with his place on that show and their financial arrangement on that show. Now let's smear Skip Bayless as a racist. Let's turn all of black Twitter and black sports figures all against Skip Bayless. And again, some of that Skip was already doing with his shtick, but now they're smearing him with the racism deal. And there's just no proof of it. This tweet, wasn't insensitive, it didn't harm anybody, everybody's faking it and trying to use it to to elevate themselves, and that's what Shannon Sharp is doing here. I'm not, look, I've written enough and have said enough about Skip Bayless. Everybody know I'm no Skip Bayless fan or defender, but as it relates between these two children and this little fight they're having in the playpen, Shannon looks a lot worse than Skip Bayless.
So in other words, uh, Skip got bent over like an LSU assistant recruiting department <laughs> member is what you're telling me. Okay. Um, here's the thing with all these athletes that are outraged by Skip Bayless. Uh, right now, he's got the power. He's snap because you care about what he says more than he does. And this is what I think Shannon has to realize. He's an important part of that show. Because that's, that's a two-man show, right? you got to have some discourse, got to have some chemistry, yeah. which right now doesn't look very good. But who is the straw that stirs the drink? Who is the one that makes that thing go viral? Who's the one that gives that show any type of buzz, if there is any? You would still have to say it's Shannon. Skip, right? Shannon at no. this point. Nah. Well, okay. I don't, Look, the over social a, media, when you start talking about viral, we, these guys have competing podcasts. That, that have nothing to do with this show. And Shannon's is way more popular than Skip's. Sh- Shannon is trying to bury Skip Bayless. And Fox Sports has a big investment in Skip Bayless. They don't need his sidekick trying to bury him. Unless they want him buried. Maybe Fox is tired of, of Skip Bayless and want him buried. And maybe uh, Shannon's the grave digger for Skip Bayless, I I I don't know, but but that, Jason, I make an can't... argument. There's yeah. no other individual in sports that could look that tweet, the one he did on Monday night as Hamlin was laying prone. Yeah. I would argue that no one else in sports media could have gotten the type of reaction for that very same tweet as Skip Bayless. I surmise that in that particular role that Skip has, um. You either wanted to be hated or loved. There's no one between. The worst thing you can have is apathy in a position like that. I think Skip is built for this in a lot of ways. He's probably used to it. He probably has an exterior that has probably been toughened up like five-day-old beef jerky. And the issue now is can you repair that show? Because that's good once in a while. It'll go viral. We're talking about it. All social media is on it. But, man, do you really want to do that? Five days a week for however long that show is. Ugh, that's a tough watch to me. Yeah, it, it, first of all, it's not working in terms of no. th- this is not. These two guys can't stand each other. People don't <laughs> want to see that. People don't want to. Oh, these. Hey, let me watch. Let me tune in and watch these two guys that hate each other and then occasionally pretend to love each other. They don't. Th- this is the really, really bad marriage that everybody's like, man, y'all just, just go ahead and file them divorce papers and move on. But right now, to me, th- they're arguing over assets. And, and Shannon's trying to improve his leverage. So, no, I want the house. I'm keeping the house. Mm-hmm. You can get the car and, the, and all that, but I want the I, I, I think that's what's going on here. Let, let me move to another uh, personality that we like to discuss from time to time on this show. Uh, Bomani Jones was on CNN, uh, Steve. I don't know if you saw this. He was on CNN talking about DeMar Hamlin, and he was sitting down with uh, Don Lemon, and, and the chemistry between Bomani and, and Don Lemon was through the roof. I, I don't know if you saw this, uh, but it was kind of reminded me of Morning Joe and Minka, the chemistry between these two guys. Let, let, let's play the clip where he compares the uh, football to the tobacco industry. I saw you shaking your head when the poppy's question, can you make it safer or safe? And you said, oh, no, I mean, it's like trying to make a safe cigarette. That's just not really how this works, how this game works. And 
part of why people watch is the fact that it's not safe. Like that's an element to the drama of this is that the idea of the sacrifice and everything that has to put in, that's part of what draws people into this. And so we feel guilty when we see things like this. So we always try to come around and find a way to be like, man, you think they could find a way to make this safe? No, they can't. That's just not what this game is or what it's ever going to be. Mm. What's your reaction when you saw what happened last night? Well, what happened for me was interesting because I kind of missed it. And then once I saw that they were talking in somber tones and doing the solemn replay, I was like, oh, I don't need to watch this. But my thought was that it was like a spinal injury. That's something that you see often happen in football. After they came back from a couple of commercial breaks and then said that they were administering CPR, I called one of my colleagues and said, did we watch somebody die? Because that was like it was so clear from the way they were treating it that it was that grave and that dire. And then I was like, well, they're, they're going to play football. Well, we didn't know, money. we did not know. Because I kept saying, is he, is he still alive? Like, no. what is happening? Like, we did not know. No, I just watched enough of these to recognize that something was very different. And the fact that Joe Buck couldn't even figure out what to say. And then it's 10 minutes later and they're talking about CPR. And that was, for me, the moment that it became really terrifying yeah. about what exactly was going on. This- that, to me, looks like a terrific television show. Morning beta is what I would call it. Morning beta with Don and Bo. That would be awesome TV. Yeah, or you could call it two sour lemons. Uh, Newsflash. (laughs) Momani Jones breaks a story. Football is dangerous. Right. You're right. Uh, But here's the issue. And I'm going to go back to what was said yesterday by you and I. Nobody is forced to play it. Everybody knows exactly the inherent risks that take place when you play this game. There's great reward. But part of that reward, and why I never call it exorbitant, is the risk that is involved in playing that sport at the highest levels. And But it's become like this in thing to rip football. When you've pointed out for years, Jason, it creates the most amount of black millionaires on a yearly basis. It changes lives for people that don't even make the National Football League. It's like boxing. Uh, boxing has saved so many lives. And I don't mean from people that are Oscar De La Hoya to Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns. I'm talking about guys or young men and women now that get into a gym and find structure and discipline, compete forever how long they can or want to, and they find a, a positive outlet. And again, structure, which is important in their lives, and they use it in their next chapters. I I don't understand the whole abolition of football. Number one, it's not realistic. It's not going to happen. And also, if you really spoke to players, and you speak to a lot more than I do, Jason, even the ones that didn't go as far as they wanted, even those ones that feel the physical toll of this sport, I think they would tell you, though, and I, see, and I hear this from boxers all the time, they would still do it all over again. No question about it. Finally, Steve, I want to end on this note, talking about Dana White. I talked about it with Royce White. You're from the fight game, not from the mixed martial arts side of it, but Dana White, very popular founder of the UFC, gets in a lot of hot water, slaps his wife in a nightclub, responding to her slapping him. This is on New Year's Eve down in Cabo San Lucas. He's issued an apology taking responsibility. His wife issued an apology uh, where I can't, I don't think she took enough responsibility for her role 
in this. I, I, I'm someone, as I told Royce, I believe, look, if it's true, men should never hit women, and I think that's true. I also think it's true, women should never hit men. I think that's equally true. Uh, do you think Dana White will be damaged, removed from the UFC? What should happen to Dana White? Um, I don't believe that he'll be removed. Now, will he be disciplined or censored by those above him? Uh, I think there's a chance. Now, will he be damaged? Yeah, the reputation is out there now. Uh, you live with this, especially with it's on videotape. And Dana White, at a man his age and power, um, personally, uh, should never be out in public on New Year's Eve at a place like that. Too many bad things can happen. Power needs to be protected, and that should be private. Uh, and when you're in a public setting, stuff like that can happen. And that is not to condone Dana White. He should be condemned for what he did. I'm kind of with you. You know, uh, that situation there, it would have been just best for him to just pull away. But again, I don't know what state he's in. I, I really don't know the state of that relationship, to be honest with you. But it's never a good look. Even if you subscribe to the fact that, hey, you want equal rights, we'll give you equal rights. But the impact and strength from a punch from a normal female to Dana White who works out, it's not equal. That, that's the issue. Um, do I believe that women have to be very careful in terms of putting hands on anybody? Yes, because you don't know what can happen. But let's be honest about it. If you take a look at the average uh, lean muscle mass, bone density, strength, and power that can be derived from a male to a female, that's where you're like, oh, I'm not so sure going eye for an eye is necessarily equal in this situation. But no, there's no doubt about it. The public reputation of Dana White will take a hit here. I don't see any other way it can't. Well, I, I would like to, and, and thank you, Steve, and we'll see you later in the week. Great job as always. But guys, I, I do want to say this just to the audience and the men in general. This is alcohol. It's no good. And public alcohol, no good. Getting drunk, it's no good. Virtually every dumb thing, really dumb thing that I regret, alcohol was involved. And I was never a big, I, I've never been a guy that drinks three days a week or four days a week. I used to drink more than I do now, uh, but I, I can just tell you, alcohol creates bad decision making. If this 53 year old man is at a private party that he's hosting in his home, drinking moderately, rather down in Cabo San Lucas, like you're a 30-year-old guy, kicking it at a club, probably drinking to excess. That's how you get yourself in these types of problems. That's how you get provoked and react. And, and when you're sober, I, I want, I'm gonna tell the story, not trying to gloss myself, but just trying to tell you what can happen when you're sober and rational I'm, I'm down in Miami years ago. This was back when me and Dan Lebertar were friends, and I'm out with Lebertar and some of his friends, maybe his brother. We're at some pool party. 
uh, on the roof of some hotel in Miami. And some Miami, I th Colombian or Latino woman or whatever, gets upset with me because something happened between her and her boyfriend and the group we were in were giggling from afar. She walks up to me, gets all up in my face, and starts just killing me with N-words, N-bomb, N-bomb, you in this, you in this. And I just looked at her, because I, I was out of the pool party, but I wasn't drinking. I just looked at her and smiled. And everybody, I mean, it was repeating, and this went on for a couple, two or three minutes, and calling me every name in the book and blah, blah. I just looked at her and smiled. I was like, you can't provoke me. You're not, I'm not going, I'm not joining you halfway to stupidity. That's the sober me. That's how a sober, rational human being acts. You start mixing in alcohol, people can provoke you into doing things that you regret. And so everybody puts all this, oh, drinking, getting high is the greatest, funnest thing you can do. Prisons are filled. Unemployment lines are filled with people who can't drink responsibly and lose their self-control and make decisions that destroy relationships, destroy lives, the drunk driving, things you would never say to a fellow coworker if you guys weren't out drinking, cost you your job, get you in trouble with your boss, all of that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Moderation is the key to everything. And then just knowing who you are. Dana White and I are nearly the same age. I'm a year or two older than Dana White. The nightclub days are done. And I know you live out in Vegas. And, and I know that as a UFC head or whatever, but you're worth billions of dollars. You're the face of the UFC, a major sporting league. The nightclub days are done. You, you and your wife can't be in any city, not out drinking and doing all that. Anyway, I, I, I say all that because, and just putting all my cards on the table, I like Dana White. I've been, anybody go check my records of things I've said about Dana White for years? I've always been a fan. I, at one point I was saying he'd be the perfect guy to be the commissioner of the NFL because he's got a pair and he'll stand up. And so it does bother me that somebody who I respect as a leader and as someone who's masculine and, and, and won't put up with woke culture, it, it bothers me that he damaged himself in this way and uh, hurt it, damaged his credibility, possibly going to get disciplined, disappoints me. That's all I want to say today. We'll play some tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom No negotiation, my system, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back from
Freedom. 